reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got ourselves a mailbag. Clean up the Raiders game. Answering your mailbag questions. Recording this a little earlier for the Patreon crowd because I'm going to the Nets Magic game. And the Magic are like the worst team in the NBA, so it's gonna be it's gonna be nice. Last time I went to Nets Magic, they lost, and I Tim Fimozgov was shooting threes for us. Justin, how are you? Yeah, Bobby gets to see a little Kevin Durant action, which is fun. Well, hopefully, I mean the NBA is all about sitting their superstars in games that a lot of people like to go to. So hopefully he doesn't sit. Hopefully he plays for you. Bobby Skinner Giants coming off a win. The week is just a lot better when the Giants win, especially now that they have a bye week next week. Our schedule. And we get to take a little bit of a breath, a little bit of a breather. You get this episode kind of like at the end of the week and then two more episodes next week. Um, I'm feeling good. Got a mailbag pod and court of the stats video. A little busy, but feeling good. Feeling good. And I mentioned the people who get to listen to this early. Those people are, Justin, Elliot Goldstein. He's of the Goldstein Empire. Jaden Ray D. Phillips. Uh, anytime I see like a Ray, you know, slash D. Phil- Ray? I think of uh, Ray Ray Armstrong. Sure. He played on the Giants for like one year, didn't he? Sounds familiar. I mean, I, I just remember him from like the high school, um, like All-American stuff. Touchdown Chef, who I'm pretty sure is a woman. Um, Great name, know. though. Yeah. Because at first it was a different name. Um, but so, and, and then Warren Reynolds, who's been a long time since Yeah, Warren, Warren Reynolds. How are you? Max Major 76. Don't like that number because it's associated with Nate Solder, but I like you, Max. Um, and then we got Gianni uh, Caligari. Mm. That seems like a fake name because in parentheses it has Tim. So I'm feeling like that's some like Italian no. like TV character. Always got to have something Italian, especially because the jersey got to keep up the jersey, New York. Got to keep it up. That just sounds like a fake name because he puts in parentheses Tim. I so don't that know. Seems like- all these Italian people, who I love all these Italian people. I I'm, I don't have Italian in my blood, but I'm 25% Italian. Justin only likes Italian people. He's a racist. Uh, oh, okay. Um, 25% Italian because I'm from the state of New Jersey. They went to patreon.com slash talking giants. $2 a month plus some other tiers. Bobby sends you magnets. He gets a chance to watch our show live. React with us. Chat with us. Ask us all the deep and personal questions you want to know about us. Patreon.com slash talking giants plus some shirt raffles too. Thank you to our patrons. Justin goes on wildly inappropriate rants before and after the show. It's disturbing, I but do. it's entertaining. Yep. All right, let's um speaking of disturbing uh people, take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail. Mail. <laughs> 
Thanks, Steve from Blue's Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. First question is coming from Saint at X Saint. Do we have our edge rusher or edge rushers in Quincy Roche and Aziz Ojolari for the future? So I deeply wanted to talk about this because Quincy Roche had an awesome, like, you know, like he won the game on a strip sack. It was a beautiful play. It was the best pass rush move by an edge. Maybe in the last two years for the New York Giants. Like best just individual play from an edge rusher in the last two years. I mean, it was beautifully done. It was quick. Bam, bam, bam. Get low. Dip around the corner. Bend the edge. But I think we should pump the brakes on Quincy Roche. Papa Roche, as some people would uh, are trying to get rolling. Shout out Tucker Sherry in the chat. Because I don't think Quincy Roche is going to be some great pass rusher for the New York Giants going forward. I think he's going to be a good rotational player. You know, and... The this talk about him was very similar to the way it was about Lorenzo Carter, at, you know, during his rookie season, you know. And I like Quincy Roche, and he's someone I wanted. You know, I wanted him when I saw he was on waivers. There was two players: it was Quincy Roche and Ben Mason, the fullback. You know, so essentially the only like, you know, every down type player that I wanted off waivers that was like stood out was Quincy Roche. Talked about him down at the Senior Bowl, put him in a mock draft video. But I also want to remember, it's like I wanted him in the fourth round. You know what I'm saying? And that, so it's like, I like Quincy Roche, but I like him for what he he is. So I think Quincy Roche should be a good rotational player going forward. Um, and he has added to the Giants because he's clearly better than Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez right now. Definitely O'Shane. Um, Lorenzo, I know he's coming back from injury. So, I'm, you know, I, like, is he better than what Lorenzo was at the beginning of last year? I'm not necessarily sure. Uh, but he's also younger. He keeps his hands moving. He keeps his feet going. He's like, He's, I think he's going to be a good, solid player for the Giants going forward. But at the same time, he doesn't affect how I uh, how I attack any single offseason for the rest of time. I don't think Quincy Roche will ever come into my mind when it goes like, all right, what do we do this offseason? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, especially Quincy Roche shouldn't prevent you from possibly taking a, an edge in rounds one or two next year. Oh, we have Quincy Roche and Aziz Ojolari. That's good. You know, I think Quincy Roche... You know, the the ceiling for him is being that number three guy off the bench. And that's not a bad role, by the way. It's not it's not a bad role. And, you know, I, sometimes you don't like to compare the game to, you know, when the Giants won their Super Bowls. But when the Giants did win their Super Bowls in 07, 08 and 2011, you know, they had a you had a rotating crew of pass rushers. And, you know, the season like 2016, Olivier Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul, they played like 90% of the snaps. They were absolutely ran into the ground. A guy that could come in there 30, 40, 50% of the snaps on a given situation or a given matchup, that is a very, very good player to have. And that that can be like a Quincy Roche type player. And I think Aziz Ojolari, the ceiling for him, which this is a fine ceiling, is a really good number two. I, I, I don't know if he can be a number one, don't know if he can develop into that where we're still looking for possibly getting that top-tier edge rusher that the Giants can have. If they decide to draft one in the first round, then you got that guy for five years. And then, boom, like that's the crew and that's the guys that we can roll with. Yeah, I think we've got our two and three, you know, with Aziz being the two, Quincy Roche being the three. But at the same time, it's like you should be excited about Quincy Roche because of how he was acquired. You got him for free. You know, yeah. it's like you got a, you, you got someone who you think is going to be a solid football player for a long time for free. You know, and this is someone, if they would have drafted in the fourth round, you would have seen a big-ass smile on my face if we got Quincy Roche in the fourth round. Like, even when I put him in the third round in that mock draft video, you hear me, I say in it. I was like, I think I might be overdrafting a little bit, but it was, it was right off the senior bowl, and he had a good senior bowl, and my database of players was limited at that time. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like Quincy Roche. 
and he's a Miami guy, so I got a little bit of favoritism towards him. Bias. You know, I, I, I hope, but I think it's like I think with Aziz and Quincy, it's we got our number two, we got our number three. Yeah, and we made the mistake with, which I'm never gonna blame us and fans for being optimistic. I'm never gonna you know hold that against anybody. We made a little bit of mistake of over-evaluating uh, Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez, you know, and O'Shane was the guy that never excited me, but even still, for how excited we were about Lorenzo Carter, I say in his PPP, you know, I still see this This is a guy that, you know, is going to maybe max out at eight sacks, and that's like the best-case scenario, and obviously, I don't think he's going to get anywhere even, you know, anywhere close to that this year. I mean, people so, thought he was going to be like a top pass rusher going into his second no, year, and it was like, no. that's just not going to happen, you know, and I don't think that's ever going to happen for Roche or either. No, so we got to, you know, let's... We, Aziz we could possibly get there, but I just think he's going to be like a, a solid number two going forward. These guys need to put up more pressure on a consistent basis. And then this, this even goes with, with Leonard Williams. This entire Giants defense just, they need to put more pressure on a consistent basis. You know, they're doing well with the sacks. They're getting the sacks. But if they want to sustain the success over a long period of time, they need the QB hits and they need the pressures to kind of sustain themselves. And... Um, let's be smarter this time around. That's my point, and I think that's both of our points. Let's be smarter this time around with how we evaluate the edge room because we misevaluated it this year. The Giants coaching staff did, the management did, and we did our we did ourselves too. Let's be smarter this time around with how we evaluate the edge room, and I think that's a fair evaluation of saying Aziz number two, Quincy Roche possibly a number three. You think we misevaluated it? Ah. I think uh, here's what I'll say is I didn't. Here's how I misevaluated. I didn't think O'Shane Zimenez would be this bad. I thought he'd have a, like he would. I thought he had flashed some potential to be like solid. But I think we always viewed as this is this kind of a bad edge room. I would have been fine if O'Shane was actually cut. I don't know if you remember that that O'Shane was going to be. See, like I my didn't want O'Shane cut. cut when people were saying oh, cut O'Shane. That that would be my misevaluation as O'Shane because I didn't think O'Shane would be this bad. I thought I he'd misevaluated be Carter. I thought you know when when Patrick Graham literally cried about Lorenzo Carter's development in terms of his rehab. <laughs> You know, the Academy Award goes too. That kind of sold me. And like, oh, Carter's going to be back and he's going to be good and he looks good and stuff like that. So I, that's where I misevaluated. So so I was wrong about O'Shane. You were right about O'Shane. I was right about Lorenzo. You were wrong about Lorenzo. We were both pretty... We, we were actually... Can I say this? No one was more right about Ofedio Denebo than us. Whereas like, I know... I was like, I was like, I was like he's not going to be an outside linebacker. And then they have an outside linebacker. And it's like... Didn't see that. I, at yeah. the time, I was like, guess I'm wrong. And I guess I don't think I was wrong. No. Um, we are right about Ryan Anderson. Not uh, not bringing back Kyler Fackler to bring back Ryan Anderson was a big mistake. We said that in the moment. Yep. Um, Aziz, I think we've been dead on about. I, I was a little it. off. I was a little off on Aziz. I, I, I didn't think he'd be doing this well. See, but you were higher on Aziz in the draft stuff than I was. Like I you was. loved Aziz. I was like a little skeptical about him when we were talking about him in the first round. He was my he was my best. If there was a pass rusher that I wanted, I want. I thought Aziz was. It was Jalen Phillips, but I was most comfortable with taking Aziz because of uh, Jalen Phillips' health concerns. So yeah, he was like my favorite guy. So it might have been the player we disagreed with the most in the draft yeah. process. Yeah. All right. Next question. Next question is coming from Shane Baldwin. Baldmen. Excuse me. Shane Baldwin, ninety one. Baldwin, bald it's Baldwin. No, I know it's the the user is Shane. Well, the the name is Shane, and then at Shane Baldwin ninety one. 
I mean, I know I've bet I feel bad because I have I and uh, you know I've been following Shane for a couple of years. I always thought it was Shane Baldwin, and now this is just rocking my world right it's now. It's a little bit of a Mandela effect. I mean, I have bad eyesight without my glasses on, but my computer's close. No, enough I'm looking to my at face. it right now. It's Shane Baldwin, and I, for the in my entire life of seeing him on Twitter, I thought it was Shane Baldwin. Well, Shane, we love you, and Bobby's a bad guy. Forget your name wrong. And I'm sorry that I ever associated you with the weirdo Ben Baldwin. Oh, uh, hey, leave my Ben Baldwin alone. Are we ready to have a Dory Jackson CB1 talk? So I've been thinking about this because I said on Monday, I was like, he's my MVP of the defense. But I've been rethinking this. Can I call him the MVP if he's not the cornerback one and he's getting the go against wide receiver twos? Because I think I think, I think it's kind of discrediting. Well, it's like, well, if you if you put James Bradbury against the, the lesser wide receivers in a Dory versus a wide receiver uh, ones... I, we're, pr- we're probably saying James Bradbury is the MVP, and Bradbury's been uh, Bradbury. You know, I think uh, the two biggest improvements of the last three weeks for the Giants is Bradbury's play, um, where he was playing. He was playing a cornerback one to start the season. He just wasn't playing like the shutdown corner that he was last year. But he was like, um, but the last three weeks he's been playing like, or la- even further back than that. And then the pass rush has had <clears throat> some sort of semblance. Um, so I think I might revise my Adore Jackson MVP because I don't think that's fair. Because it's like, well, he's not the... It's not like wide receiver where it's like the stats just kind of dictate who's the better player. Well, I'm going to stand pat with it because I even said that Adore Jackson was MVP before you did. And you got all the credit on social media for it. Well, I'm just better at articulating my words. Wow. I'm going to stand pat His with advanced it. advanced stats are amazing, though. No, they are. And you, you compare... Um, It was... One of our one of our listeners who I actually I legit put this in the stat report. Do a barrel roll. Yes, do a barrel roll. Jake Barrel. He tagged us Monday morning and James Bradbury's last like eight games and then Adore Jackson's first nine games. And Adore Jackson's advanced stats are actually better. And yes, you do have to consider that James Bradbury, especially, you know, last eight games of twenty twenty, he was playing wide receiver one, so that does play an impact. But here's my ultimate question and why I think Adoree Jackson is the MVP so far. Imagine this defense with James Bradbury not being a lockdown corner. Imagine how bad this defense would look without Adoree Jackson. Like, it was already kind of bad through the first six weeks of the season. Oh, yeah, Imagine Isaac Udon would wor- make this defense look horrible right now. Imagine how much worse it would not be. Look, it would be horrible. You know you know yeah. what I mean? And they're still playing man coverage. Like, if you, if anyone watched the film review, we went through all the third downs, especially in the red zone. It's like, look, they're, just, they're playing man coverage. They're still playing, man. They're just playing it well. And they're getting a, a decent amount of pass rush, so they're getting Carr, you know, uncomfortable. Um, you know, where before it was like QBs had the cleanest of clean pockets of all time. And then, you know, Bradbury playing uh, better on his assignments. So I think I'm revising it. Um, maybe overall the whole season I would put Adoria as MVP, but the last few weeks maybe I would say. I don't know. I don't know where I stand. Um, That's fair. That's fair. But in terms of the CB1 question, too, that, that Shane asked, why can't we live in a world where, depending on the matchup, which I think the Giants have been doing, by the way, especially with putting James Bradbury on the bigger physical tight ends, why can't we just live in a world where, and I think the Giants do live by this, where we rotate, you know, depending on the matchup, depending on the given day, depending on the wide receiver, if, if it, we want a Dory Jackson facing the shiftier, faster wide receivers, and James Bradbury going up maybe more of your your typical X receivers, right, where they're, bi- where they're bigger and they're physical. So I would love to live in the world, and that's exactly how we kind of 
designed this defense. And that's why I th- the thought process in designing James uh, Dory Jackson was exactly that. doesn't have to be a 1-2 situation. Maybe it could just be a 1-A. Bradbury gets interceptions, though, too. Like, and those do matter. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Adore Bradbury Jackson is, is way better at diagnosing stuff. Yeah, Adore has has dropped those. Um, like, I mean, some of James Bradbury's interceptions this year are, are brilliant. You know, like the one versus yeah. Tyler Heineke, that is a brilliant interception. Um, what what were the other ones? Um, he should have had one against Dallas where it was going to be just as beautiful of jumping around. And... Yeah, so I, I, James Bradbury is still like, who's the cornerback one of the Giants? It's James Bradbury to me. But Adore has been, he's been a, a beautiful addition. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's because we don't use Kenny Galladay, he's been the biggest addition of the offseason as Adore Jackson. Correct. Before we move off the defense, I don't know how long we're going to be off the defense, but we're talking about the corners and the draft interceptions. I was shocked. I mean, maybe not shocked, but pretty surprised to see that the Giants were this high. They are ninth in the NFL in turnovers per drive. They would be number one in the league at forcing turnovers if they caught maybe half these interceptions that they dropped because they also lead the league in dropped interceptions, and that is not an exaggeration. Yeah, it's... um. And that's where it's like, what like what has changed the last few weeks? And Joe Judge had a quote today um, saying, like, I don't think we've, because people are like, oh, Patrick Graham just simplified the defense. He's like, I don't think we simplified. I think it just picked our spots better. And that kind of is what they've done, you know, where they were getting beat with man coverage and no pass rush early in the season. Where now it's like they're winning with some of that. Um, and, you know, like the Xavier McKinney interception where you're, you know, where you're rotating safeties and stuff, they're just... They're picking, they're picking and choosing when they want to do that more, yeah. you know, and, and on third downs is when that stuff can shine because it's do or die down for quarterbacks. And I will say the opponent matters. Like I, if we play Dallas tomorrow, I know Dallas is coming off of a bad game. I don't know how much changes. Yeah, you're right. You're but right. right. But the last few weeks we've played against impatient quarterback, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Sam Donald are extremely impatient. Carr can be more patient at times, but he wants to be aggressive at the end of the day. Um, you know, and, and so it's like it's 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 mattered who they're playing. It doesn't. It's not to say that like Patrick Mahomes and I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes over Dak Prescott, obviously. Um, but it's like it's you know it's it's not having a patient QB. You know, um, a patient QB like if we a patient QB will still kind of have it's like it would have more success than what we've had the past few weeks yeah and and here's what i say you know i i can't necessarily tell you like schematics and what the giants are doing here and what the giants are doing there but they are a defense that is now matching what they did in 2020 2020 they allowed like the third most plays per drive in the national football league in 2020 2021 they're allowing i think the second most plays per drive in the national football league but what they've done the last three weeks is, is they just they've clamped down in the red zone. The last three weeks, you know, they've been their the Panthers ran one play in the red zone, and the Chiefs ran 19 plays. They averaged one one yard per passing play, and the Raiders ran 18 plays, and they averaged two play you know two two yards per play, particularly in, in the passing game. So Patrick Graham's defense they they clamp, they're clamping down it's clamping down in the red zone. That's really the bottom line. Where I do think Mahomes for the large majority of certain plays, he was patient. I think, you know, how many times did you see him check down? And Derek Carr, I think, was definitely more patient than Mahomes, where they got to their red zone six drives. But what were they, one for six? One for six in converting touchdowns? That's where this defense has made the biggest improvement in terms of results-wise. 
you know, schematics, you know, you have a little bit more into that. But results-wise, it's they're still allowing yards, they're still allowing plays, just clamping down in the area in which you have to clamp down the most and only allowing field goals versus touchdowns. If they had Blake, I think they might be like a dominant defense because they're still getting ran on, you know, semi-successfully. And yes, they are. Because I saw someone like, well, the defense has been good the last three weeks with Blake. Without Blake, you know, how much of an impact was Blake having? It's like, well, like you just mentioned, they're still letting guys go up and down the field on them. Yeah. Um, where just last year, it was it was by attacking our cornerback to a nickel spot. This year, it's by running the ball. You yeah. know, like that's when the Chiefs had their success is when they're just like, just like, all right, we're just going to start handing the ball off because you're not stopping the run. Yeah, ironically um, enough, the and they're really the last, bad for stopping the run overall in the year too. They are, they are. The last three weeks, the teams have been passing the ball in the Giants. I think like around sixty six percent of the time. It's over. It's over sixty percent. I think the pass rate in weeks one to six was fifth was fifty two percent, and that's where the defense was at its worst. You know, when 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 teams were throwing the ball less, and that's why it's a little backwards. Where usually when teams throw the ball more, it's like oh, more yards, more points, right? But these last three weeks, the whatever you know, it, it depends on the team that you play. And then the Panthers game, they were just behind for the, for the entire game, so all they were doing was throwing the ball. Um, so it's ironic that the last three weeks, high pass rate, defense clamps down better. Weeks one through six, teams run the ball more, and that's when we were worse. And I mean, the Raiders had a worse run game coming into this game than us, and they ran the ball on us, you know. So they did, yeah. So they still do miss Blake, but it's like all right, they've been able to be a good defense without Blake, though, still too. All right, next question. Oh, we do have another defensive question. Frank the Tank at RomoCop74. Good to this see. Is, this isn't even a defensive question. This is just like a, 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 a philosophy question. Would we be seeing Darnay Holmes if Rodarius Williams didn't get hurt? How about Quincy Roche if Carter wasn't hurt? How about Matt Parrott? It's frustrating. It seems like injuries are what gets some better players on the field. What do you think? That is frustrating. You know, the fact that they didn't start Matt Parrott to start this year, like, it befuddles me. I don't understand it. I will never understand it. You know, in the moment, I was like, I guess Nate Solder's playing better. But at the time, it's like, how can you make this decision? How can you make this decision? Because even if Solder was better in camp, it couldn't have been much better. You Solder, know? Solder barely even practiced in camp. The first time he came back was against the Patriots. Exactly. You know, he like <laughs> didn't play in the preseason games besides the Patriots game. It's like, so he couldn't have been that much better, you know? And, and this isn't like, so we've had three games of Matt Parrott starting the past three weeks, right? I yep. guess four out of five because he started versus Dallas. Am I impressed with Matt Parrott? No. When he started at right tackle, it was a pretty nice game. You know, and that's where he should be going. But at left tackle, have I been impressed with Matt Parrott? Nope. But he should be starting over Nate Solder. Like the fact that that didn't happen bothers me. You know, the fact that, you know, Quincy Roche was, he wasn't inactive. Remember, like, he came in and played, like, a good, like, 8, 10 snaps, and I was saying, like, hey, he should, remember I was like, he should take Lorenzo and O'Shane snaps yeah. that game? I, might, I think it might have been the Rams game. And then they made, and they made Quincy inactive, a healthy scratch game. I was like, what? I don't get this. Like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, and then, um, I won't compare that to Rodarius Darnay, because I actually did bench Darnay. Um, I actually, like, if looking back, that might have been the wrong decision, but it's like I understood why they're doing it. They're trying to play more press man. Um, so, but it's like I don't know if it's just a this coaching staff or what, but it's, it's, I don't know. I think it kind of, I think sometimes at the end of the day, Justin, we forget 
is that we are Giants fans and we're going to be Giants fans forever. Like we are invested long term where I think coaches, they just, they get in survival mode. And it's like, what helps me here in the now? Maybe not necessarily the Giants best in the long term. Like ideally they would, but it's like uh, here in the now. You know? But usually when there are fans that are hooting and hollering for certain players to get in there, I'm talking about reasonable. I'm not talking about the backup quarterback when your main quarterback struggles. Or Gary Brightwell. Like, if anyone's claiming yeah. for Gary Brightwell, it's like, I just stop, please. No, but reasonably saying that Quincy Roche should be getting snaps over O'Shane and Matt Parrott should be getting snaps over Nate Solder. I mean, I, and I always bring back the example in 2019, you know, with the different coaching staff of – Julian Love over Antoine Bethay and how you know how bad Bethay Bethay was the worst free safety. That was in the one national. too. Yes, Bethay was the. I, we I talked about this on Sunday on Sunday's reaction show, so I agree with Fred. We were, I was begging for that one, and I liked. I thought Bethay was going to play strong safety, but nonetheless. Yeah, well, they and they again they just used him wrong. They signed him when he was a strong safety for most of his career, and then they you know bumped him back to free safety. So. Yeah, I I, I agree with I agree with Frank the Tank. Uh, I, we we will see. It'll be a huge test. Huge test. To see, Andrew Thomas comes back. I'll lose my mind. What are they going to do at right tackle? And O'Shane Zimmon, as I saw somewhere, that he had an ankle injury, but I don't know if that's fully like confirmed. It was never on the injury report. I was it a healthy scratch or so? We're going to see after the bye because O'Shane Zimenez is going to be activated. We're going to see what the rotation will look like and what the snap share looks like, and uh I'm willing to bet that a lot of people are going to be disappointed with both situations where it's, it's both in the edge room, Quincy Roche not getting snaps, and then after they getting two, two consecutive games where I think he got 50 snaps, and they're going to start um, Nate Solder. If they start Nate Solder, I will lose my mind. It'll be... It may pass... Here's the issue, is that we won't find out until the game day, right. so I won't have full time to melt down, but it might reach like Janorth Jenkins cut... Daniel, finding out Daniel Jones played the second half of versus the Cardinals with a, a second leg injury. Would it be meltdown. Shaq Barrett against Nate Solder? Yeah. Well, JPP's hurt, so I guess they would have Tryon versus left. Yeah, it would be Shaq. Shaq Barrett's lined up on the right side. And Shaq Barrett killed Nate Solder in 2019, uh, too, by the way. Yeah. And Tryon. Don't forget, Daniel Jones too. had two fumbles in that game, as good of a game it was. Did Tryon change his name? He's no longer. It's Tryon and then something else. Like, it's it's Tryon Dash. Yeah, he was one of your guys. Uh, yeah, I wanted, he was my pick for the second round mock draft for the Giants. Yeah. He was a late. He was one of my last people I evaluated, too. And I was like, I, I, was like, I went whole, the whole draft season not knowing about this guy. Anyways. Hey, Bobby Skinner. I think it may be time. Mm, no. No? Okay. No, not yet. Next question. Phil Morin. Actually, yes, it is. Um, read yours. <laughs> okay, sure. So we have to talk about something very, very important. And that important thing is Roman. So when the moment for intimacy arrives, you need to be ready. You need to be Roman ready. ready. When you, Whether you've been in a relationship for years or you're just getting started, having the confidence that comes from preparation means you're free to enjoy the moment when the moment comes. You want to play free. Like Quincy Roche, just bending the edge like DeMarcus Ware in 2009. Oh boy, when I watched Sunday Night Football and I heard those guys break down and they showed like an NBC slow-mo of DeMarcus Ware bending the edge. Yeah, I'm comparing DeMarcus Ware to Quincy Roche. They're playing free. Fair. And those guys are Roman ready. 
Even though you are far from ordinary, which is true, the truth is, is that ED is really common. 52% of guys aged 40 to 70 experience some form of erectile dysfunction. Didn't say it weird. I didn't say erectile. I listened back to that. Got Sam Beal had it. Got weirded out. He did. Poor he Sam Beal. He talked about that. Poor Sam Beal. See his Instagram post? How he's like... He should hate us. Feelings mutual, New York. Yeah, I don't have a problem with him. Someone DM'd him, um, one of our listeners, and I hope they're listening. And they DM'd Sam Beal. And we're like, haha, you bum. And he like responded back and like and was not nice. That's he was not like, nice. hey, you should post this. And I was like, no, you're an asshole. Um, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I am not on your side. All right, go ahead. Sam Beal's more ripped than I thought he was. He's an NFL cornerback. I know. He's, uh, he, well, he uses Roman. He That's why he uses Roman. So Sam Beal, he went to GetRoman.com slash John Boy. And he spoke with the U.S. licensed healthcare professional about erectile dysfunction. He got $15 off his first month of treatment. U.S. Health licensed healthcare professional. They'll work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process, straightforward, convenient, and discreet. Getting started is simple. GetRoman.com slash JohnBoy to complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today. Connect with the U.S. licensed healthcare professional and take care of it. So again, get Roman.com slash John Boy today. If you're prescribed, get $15 off your first month of ED, of ED treatment. Make sure you have the confidence and control this fall to be Roman ready. I'm. A, we're always Roman ready. Danny King is the most Roman ready, though. That is true. Very true. Uh, let's talk about Sambio for a second. I forgot. I, I wanted to start the show talking about Sambio, and I forgot about it. Do we have to? Um, yeah, I do. I it, I wanted him to be the 53rd man roster on the NFL. It's. Can I say something? This is how I'm weird, and Justin and Justin actually gets on me for this. I get like these emotional attachments to like players just because it's like they've been a part of our lives for like three years. And it doesn't even, they don't have to be in a positive light, but it's like Sam Beal has been a fun talking point over the last three years. All the weird stuff that's happened, you know, through being in the supplemental draft to hurt his first year. And then, you know, coming back and then, hey, he might actually freaking play because DeAndre Baker uh, got in trouble and he opts out. Like, he's just been like such a weird, like, player. He's been a mythical creature. That's how I've summarized it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you do want, you want to know what, what is funny though? James Bradbury gets hurt against the Raiders. He played one snap. Misses one snap. I, I tweet out, Sam Beal checks in. Less than a minute later, thread, Sam Beal checks out. James Bradbury comes back the same play. I thought that that was one of the best Sam Beal moments. When he just checks in, checks out. Danny King's Sam Beal video was, you know, like, that might have been best. Danny King's best content ever. Um. And, hey, I got to witness his best moment, which was a, a safety versus the Miami Dolphins. There you go. There you go. That's when I knew we were going to win that game when Sam Beal got a safety versus the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, against the CFL roster. And wouldn't be surprised to see Sam Beal in the CFL soon anyway. How do we remember, rate that? Remember when we we I called into Big Blue Kickoff Live with Jeff Fiegels, and I think it was Smilk, and I made like a, a joke with them, and then I was like, like, what do you got for us? And I just go, Sam Beal, thoughts. And they're like, um, thoughts? Uh, I think he's a good young player. And uh, and they just got thrown off. And Lovely. we just, we tried to, we weren't big enough at the time, but we tried to get our listeners to start calling in the Big Blue Kickoff Live and just being like, hey, Sam Beal, thoughts. 
it didn't pan out. But if someone wants to do that and then tell us that you did it so I can go clip it, I'll do it. Do a lot of people listen to that? Yes. I, I mean, not I more than us, but like it's it's a daily show for the Giants. It's it's anything that's ran by the Giants is going to get some listens. Although our film stuff does better numbers than the Joe Judge Report. Shout yeah. out to us. Yeah. So, All right, next question. Phil Morin at Phil underscore Morin underscore three. Do it for Dale Sr. When we finally see all the Giants' weapons and Thomas on the field together for a stretch of two to three games out of the bye, and they perform well offensively, should we rethink the fire Garrett mantra? Absolutely not. And no, because I'm I don't I'm not gonna let good players making plays do it. It's we've seen it, it's enough. It's a philosophy. We have had twenty five games with thirty points. There's I'm sorry, there's nothing that will ever get me on the Jason Garrett train unless which is unrealistic, he just totally changes. It's just, and which is it's just not gonna happen. You know, there might be like, Hey, I kinda like what he did, but it's like I'm I'm not doing kinda like stuff anymore with Jason Garrett. You know? Like if he does you know, some of the basic stuff that's in his playbook, I, I'm it's I am fire Jason Garrett. I do not want him. He'll never be an advantage as an offensive coordinator. He can have some good games play calling, but he'll never be an advantage as our offensive coordinator. Now he'll be back next year. I'm pretty I feel confident that's gonna happen, unfortunately. Oh yeah. I do. I feel confident he's gonna be back next year with Joe. If Joe Judge is back, you don't think that you think he's gonna fire Jason Garrett? I hope so. I do too. I just don't think it's gonna happen. Um I don't Bobby, what was uh we we were on an interview earlier today. Mike Clay, it was a, it's a Mike Clay tweet, but um, I, I did the average, so that's my that's my contribution. Twenty five games, Jason Garrett, right? How many offensive touchdowns? Do you remember the number? No. Forty one. That's one point six four per game. So so Phil, you know, and this isn't even directed towards you. You know, I'm not being mean, Phil. So when you say two to three games out of the bye and they perform well. What is performing well? Two offensive touchdowns per game? Three offensive touchdowns? You, you know, they like Bobby said, not even scoring over 30 points. They are averaging less than two offensive touchdowns per game. I don't care who's hurt. I don't care who's hurt, who's here, who's not here. Two offensive touchdowns through 25 games, less than that when you're average. That's uh that's cause for people to lose their jobs. Unless you're starting PJ Walker quarterback, there's no excuses for that. Nope. Sorry. Um, you know, I'm not gonna let having all these you know good players come back and Daniel Jones over like you know, Daniel Jones outperformed the system when he had Andrew Thomas playing. Yep. And um, the twenty twenty offensive line was better than twenty nineteen because Nate Solder was not the left tackle. And you basically had the, the same skill position players without the running back, which we've seen Saquon Barkley not have that much impact on games anyway. But the same wide receivers and tight ends, and you saw how much worse that was too. So, yeah, there's 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 nothing that's going to get me back on or back on. There's nothing that's going to get me to not want Jason Garrett fired. Yeah, we he were, is who we were, he is. We were on the Jason Garrett train uh, through the first and three weeks. He of wants the season he last year. he you know. And I know every time we talk about Jason Garrett, well, it's like, well, it's Joe Judge too. Then fire, fire Joe Judge too. Like it's offense is the most important thing in football right now, um, and ours is not good. And we have another Garrett question next. So Michael Luisi at Michael Luisi thirteen, really good stuff for PFF. He's been putting out some good stats. Hypothetically, how much better do you think this Garrett led offense would be with an elite quarterback at the helm and a top five offensive line plus weapons? It would obviously be better, but there seems to be a cap on the amount of points an offense can put up in the system. Thoughts and really, Mike, I think the answer to your question is, 
If we're talking about an elite quarterback at the helm and a top five offensive line with weapons, you're looking at the twenty four top five offense. You're looking at the twenty fourteen Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and you know, and Garrett didn't call plays for them, but still, it it would be a it would be a top five offense for the at least for the regular season. You know, like it's Jason. This offense would work if you had elite players all over the position, but it's like nobody has that. You know, um. You know, it's it would be top five. Now, if you had all that and you wanted to be top one, you have to be the Rams and Sean McVay. So, yes, do I think with a top tier offensive line, um, you know, a better QB than Daniel Jones, like you know, you bring in Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, um, you know, and then you know, and good weapons, not even top weapons, and a decent tight end, then yeah, do I think the offense will be awesome? Yes, but that's not real life. You don't get to operate. With that and and the NFL, okay, you don't get to have the best of everything. You need to be you need to be an advantage as an offensive coordinator. You can't just be oh I'm, you know, you have to be an advantage. And Jason Garrett will never be an advantage. Justin, are you there? I agree. Jason Garrett will never be an advantage. Yep. Simple talked, as that. I mean, we've talked it about as, it over and over again. So again, it would if you. You know, if they draft two offensive linemen and somehow free up enough cap space to add a good offensive lineman, you got four out of five good offensive linemen. You got the good wide receivers now. You got Daniel Jones. Um, you can say Daniel Jones makes in a jump. Maybe not not too elite, but like, you know, a top 10 QB. Will the offense be really good next year? Yes, it will. It'll be, you know, top 10-ish. Um, but I want, I want my offensive coordinator, which is the second most important position after quarterback in football, to be an advantage. And Jason Garrett will never be an advantage. We have an offensive line question next. Tucker Cherry at Tucker underscore Cherry underscore. Maybe a little too early. Huh? He's in the chat. Patreon chat, hanging out. Maybe a little too early to be talking draft predictions, but is there any chance of doubling up on the offensive line in the first round? So I broke my rule of not putting draft questions in the mailbag in season. I'm surprised to see this. Well, I'm doing my mid-season mock draft video next week. Boom. And add I think I'm all in on the two. If if we're not getting like you know one of those top two edge guys again, I haven't you know I've watched Thibodeau. Uh, Thibodeau, I would take over an offensive lineman. Um, you know, and I guess the Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan might be up there too. But like I'm kind of, I think I I think there's a good chance that when draft season is in full swing, I'm going to be in like take two offensive linemen and everyone like, and I even if they're two interior offensive linemen, don't even have to be tackles, Justin. I may be in on taking two offensive linemen. Uh, and I can't wait to do the O-line reports next year with them. We got to see what the edge rushers look like. I'm very much for, like, my my approach and my game plan right now is offensive lineman edge. That's my that's my approach. That's my that's my game plan. Um, you know, I, doubling up on the offensive line is nice and great, but also there's a reason why you have so many high-leverage draft picks next year anyway. Right there, there's a reason, you know, and we looked at some of the interior offense alignment in this year's draft where Creed Humphreys killing it right now for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, he was somewhat of a second, third round prospect. Right. Um, you know, Trey Smith, another for the for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, uh, what's his fate? Landon Dickerson from the Eagles was a guy that was exciting, but he had injury problems. So there Ben Cleveland from the Baltimore Ravens. So there's a lot of guys that could be in there, you know, especially for interior offense alignment, you know, tackles a different story, but if for interior offense alignment, which it looks like the giants may need a little help with too, um, 
those guys, you know, there's a reason why you have a lot of these top leverage draft picks. So take you utilize them in that spot. An edge is just a huge need. And getting that number one edge. Back okay. to back. Next question. Next question. Dominic Rizzi. How cringy are those manscaped ad reads you have to do? Refer to them as cornflakes to avoid anything negative. Football fans, who's ready to score some free bets? Now you can win uh, when you bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 in either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. If DraftKings, uh, if, if Sportsbook isn't available in your stake uh, yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY. Bet $1 on either team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code JOHNBOY this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wage required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, I was hoping we'd had a Manscaped ad uh, this week, but we didn't. Next question. Landon Harding at Bangin' Myself, which is one of the best <laughs> handles I've ever heard. Should Mikey become the official Talking Giants mascot? And can I get Ann John Ross ask, Hey, has Mikey finally been sacrificed as promised after last week's loss? Well, Bobby Skinner, he was just freaking out. He was just freaking the freak out in the hallway, and I had to bring him in here. So I guess it's 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 a good time to bring in him in here. He was not sacrificed, but he has been mean to me since we made those comments, though. I don't know what to think of Mikey yet. Do you I not feel like, like him? I feel like Mikey is just like pissing on Lucy's grave. Oh well, I don't think just he's like, doing that intentionally. I'm the I'm the show's dog now. Wow, just taking the shine away from dead Lucy. Is Mikey smoking cigarettes yet? No, maybe that's what he... He was just freaking out. Maybe he needs one. He, was he needs freaking. to relax. While you were rambling on about Jason Garrett, I had to leave because I was like, I know, what? I saw. And I... I So, here, I'm a professional. While you left, I was ready to stop my answer. And then I turned my answer. I basically repeated the same things in a different way for another 45 seconds to give you some time. That's, as a real, pro. that's really good radio. Where really you would just be like, oh, Bobby has left... Th-. You would narrate what was happening for me. I would. Because then I would just edit. But, no, you're, you're a real professional. You... You don't like uh, you don't like dead air. Um, yeah. So I don't know what we're gonna do with Mikey yet. If it's gonna be the mascot, I put him in the mailbag um uh, picture this that week. That was funny. I was gonna try and I couldn't edit it, but I was gonna try and get like Mikey on top and then like dropping poop onto Blue, or vice versa. But I there couldn't. I I was doing it on the fly and I just didn't feel like putting all that effort into it. Beautiful. Steve Levy was promoting cigarettes on Monday Night Football. Smoking Woody said, thank you, ESPN Steve Levy, for promoting cigarettes on your Monday Night Football broadcast. Wish more people were as brave as you. Um, Good for Smoking Woody. Good for Steve. And he made fun of somebody at the stadium who was smoking a Dijon Black in their profile picture. Or their picture, which was like, oh my god. Smoking Woody even said he wanted to smoke those. All right, next question. Tim Coffey. Let's revisit Lorenzo Carter moving to interior linebacker. Can he be more effective than at outside linebacker? I think his ceiling would be Reggie Ragland. 
like similar built, both kind of have uh, you know could do a little bit of pass rushing. Um, neither one fast. No, I, I don't. I think Lorenzo just kind of tries to make a, a make the roster with another team next year or the Giants. You're like I don't know what happens with Lorenzo Carter. I don't know because like the beginning of last year he was playing decent football. Um, so I, my my guess so to, with Tim no I just maybe I'm I'm just slow to change but I just don't see it happening with him at inside linebacker like what about him makes like I don't think he's got good really good great good range you know with Carter Coffin it's like well he's got good range he's getting you know pass rush up the a gap I just don't know if Lorenzo ever would be an advantage there I think Lorenzo's just kind of a dude yeah I mean there have been some discussions that people have had about position changes that I've been wrong with in the past so I'll 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 be open to this and we'll we'll talk about what Lorenzo Carter does well very good in coverage. Uh, I mean, that that's the thing where, I mean, he's good in coverage for an outside linebacker. I mean, that that was something that he was good at coming out of Georgia in, in college, where he was one of the best coverage, you know, outside linebackers in the country at the time. So he's good in regards to that. But like I said, I mean, I think the ceiling would be Reggie Ragland, you know, so I, I, I agree with that. You know? Next question. Tauzino, Red Yeti 9. How rewarding does it feel to see some of your favorite pre-draft prospects flourish at the NFL level? See Quincy Roche this week. And also, what are your plans for this upcoming offseason? Senior Bowl, Combine, Draft, etc. We're going to the Senior Bowl. I can't wait to go to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. I think there's a chance that Joe Judge may be one of the coaches for the teams, too. Because you think it's got to be, it's pr- going to be a playoff team. Usually, it's probably a coach that's not in his first year. We actually know Matt Rules in his first year. I could the they you know the you know Jim Nagy knows the Giants take it serious. I think there's, I think Joe Judge would. I, I think there's a chance that would happen. I wonder if all the Giants beat would go down if Joe Judge ended up being the coach for it. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to go. We're definitely going to the Senior Bowl. I can't wait to go down there. No, yeah. Or I guess um, up there from where I'm at. Yeah, down there for me. Up there for you. I think the city's even a little fun too. So you know, may even have some vlogs. Style, style type of stuff. Uh, it's not fun. It's maybe just, getting some barbecue. Well, I mean, you you went during COVID too. You got to remember that. Yeah, but so. there was nothing. I mean, I'm sure there's good places to eat, but uh, we'll have some fun. Well, so Senior Bowl is going to be a lot of fun. How many days are we going to be there for? Like four, probably four. Yeah, I think there's three days. Of, there's three days of practices. So we'll get there, and then there's like immediate. So yeah, essentially four. You leave on the fifth day. Yeah. So Bobby Skinner will be evaluating players, and I'll be sitting there pretty. And that's about it. Making We're connections. We're going to have a lot of fun. The guy we had on the interview last week, he went down to the Senior Bowl, so we can make some connections this time. Where last time I was by myself, I'm like, I'm not just going to go up start talking to random people. Yeah. We can also, I, I feel it's like it's... a media scumbag. It's like, do I really want to be friends with these guys? I don't know. I feel like it's more acceptable to act like act like fools when there's two people there versus just one by yourself. Oh so yes, that's definitely. There's definitely strength in numbers when it's acting like an asshole. Yeah, so we'll we'll be sure to do that a little bit. Um, I try. I'm trying to get the grunt football grump to come to, with us. There's I, I definitely talked to him, a, I talked to him about this. Is he coming? I, I don't know. I thought you had more of a formal conversation with him about it, but uh, I, I talked to him at the tailgate about it. I said we would we would love to have we would love for you to come down too. 
Yeah, so maybe we'll have three. We'll have the grump with us because he's he's smarter. He's smarter than both. He's of us. good at draft stuff. Yes, I um, mean he filled in for you when you um, fake sick on uh, way too early draft week. That is true. Yeah. Next question. This one's an interesting one. Do you, wait, do you have any more? Do you have any other comments on off season content, off season plans? Kind of be similar. I think well if I think LPG is gonna be able to do a softball game again, so that'll be nice to go do that. Yes. Um. So we'll do stuff uh, planned around that. Yep. Um. You know, maybe some like with player content from outside of that. But so, but but other than that, no. It's like we kind of have a schedule at this point that yeah. we're gonna live by. With it's like we, you know, we're gonna have we're gonna have Jordan Renan on pre free agency. We're gonna have Dan Duggan on post free agency. Um. You know it's. It's it's basically I mean that's basically you know we we have we'll we'll do a couple player interviews yeah and and it'll be a it'll be a real formal launch of like the talking football channel too because you're you're that's where the majority of your draft yeah the draft are videos going. are gonna go on there which is yep. gonna bother me but that's that's what we're gonna do that's what we gotta do we gotta we gotta grow it grow, we up. grow it all right last question so this is coming from Curtis Taylor at Curtis D zero one zero one. Now, I need to paint the picture of what this is, and I can't really do it well. It's Don't very know easy if, it's, if you know. It's uh, it's, it's a from a, a movie. It's one of those I Y K Y K things. If you know, you know. And I don't know because this is clearly from some sort of movie. Ace Ventura. There's a guy that looks like Kanye West, but he's not Kanye West with a name tag, and a dude with his back turned. With like a Hawaiian shirt on, he has pants, and he's bending down, but he's like using his hands to open up his his butt cheeks with pants on. So that's the picture. Not a question. Watch Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. Yeah, I've never seen a movie in my life. So Jim Carrey's my favorite act, my favorite comedian actor of all time. <laughs> um, he's just the best. I think I did that better than you do it. <laughs> If we don't fight to the death, they will kill us both. <clears throat> All right. Um, just an amazing actor. All right. Uh, that's it, right? Yeah, that was a. It's kind of short. By de- by design, I'm going to the Nets Magic game. Let's go <laughs> okay. Nets. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Monday with a joint podcast. I'm not even going to say who it's with because I, it's we haven't heard back. So, um, get back to us. We're trying to trying to do stuff. Appreciate you guys. We will, we will be back on Monday with uh, some type of joint podcast with somebody. So we'll see you on Monday. Enjoy the bye weekend. You know, go do something dumb. Enjoy yourself. Don't stress yourself out about the Giants. Giants players, if you happen to be listening or your families uh, are listening, tell them don't do anything stupid. We appreciate you guys. No guns. No guns, guys. Okay? We guys went all off season without the guns. Let's stay away from the guns just this weekend. All right, appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Monday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.